On this edition of Alberta Dugout Stories, the podcast, a State of the Union in the Western Canadian Baseball League with Kevin Cavami. Welcome to episode 62 of Alberta Dugout Stories, the podcast. I'm Joe McFarland. Before we get going, we want to take a moment to thank you for downloading and listening. It's hard to believe, but it was a year ago this week that we launched the podcast. Little did we know how receptive you would all be to the idea of listening to Alberta's baseball stories. We are extremely grateful that you make us a part of your week and look forward to bringing you even more in year two. To mark the occasion, we're going to do something fun here. If you're a regular listener, take a couple of minutes and go to your social media account and share your favorite episode or your favorite guest and tag us in that post. Do it over the next week, and we'll select one winner to get a brand new ADS t-shirt. We'll announce the winner on next week's episode. Now on to this week's guest. Another summer of Western Canadian Baseball League action is now in the books. The teams have been able to take a deep breath and look at all that happened. It all came to a head this past weekend at the WCBL's AGM in Weyburn, and there was no shortage of things to talk about. They named their all-star teams and their award winners. Congratulations, by the way, to league MVP Caleb Warden of the Lethbridge Bulls and Okotoks dog star Tristan Peters, who walked away with Rookie of the Year, Canadian Rookie of the Year, the batting title, and the playoff MVP awards. You can see more on that with our photo gallery at albertadugoutstories.com. The itinerary for the league's AGM also included the future of the Melville Millionaires and the Yorkton Cardinals, as well as some news on the Brooks Bombers' ownership situation and a new team in Sylvan Lake for 2021. To get the up-to-date information, we chatted with Kevin Cavani during Wednesday's noon hour. Kevin, thanks so much for joining us on the podcast. Oh, thanks for having me. When you look back on the summer of 2019, how will you personally remember it? Well... You know, I think that, uh, you know, at our annual meeting, the, the one thing that came the, came through was the fact of how much of a difference we have uh, achieved in the last 10 years. Um, our attendance in 2010 was just over 105,000, and we went uh, over 300,000 in uh, the league in 2019. I think that just shows the, the level of baseball that we're providing the fans of of Alberta and Saskatchewan and uh, their, um, you know, their maturity uh, over the years in, in appreciating that level of baseball and going out and attending the games. This was the first summer where you were under the new brand, Western Canadian Baseball League. You also had a, a different kind of schedule, different kind of playoff schedule. You also had an all-star game. Weather you know, was not a, a help on that front. But at the same time, how would you view all the different changes that were made last winter and how they uh, progressed onto the field? Well, we weren't very happy with the weather, to be honest. <laughs> um. <laughs> I don't blame you on that front at all. That was a that was a common uh, a statement at the at the annual meeting. The teams were were um, frustrated with the weather and and uh, the, the the impact it has on your uh, walk ups and and things like that as you as you go through the summer. June was especially bad, and uh, um, you know Edmonton seemed to have some storm blowing through it every single night of the year. So. Uh, or of the summer, so it was uh, it was an ugly summer as far as that goes. But the people still did come out. As you said, we did have our all star game, and we were really pleased with 
with uh, the inaugural one there and can only see bigger and better things down the road for that. Um, the schedule uh, was a little bit bigger this year from a regular season standpoint and less from a playoff standpoint, um, which allowed us to schedule events into into August at all of our uh, franchise locations. So uh, they had a little bit longer regular season to to put special uh, guaranteed uh, games on throughout the summer. When you look ahead to 2020, anything on field or off field that you're expecting to be different? We'll get into the franchise situations in a second, but uh, just in terms of the overall product, are you expecting anything to change or anything different? Well, I think that um, we're going to do a couple of things. Uh, one that, you know, would probably, uh, um, be most uh, interesting to the fans out there is we're going to the international rule for all extra inning games. So they're going to see if we go into extra innings, this is during the regular season only is that we'll be putting runners at first and second base and, uh, and playing the extra innings like that. So I think you're going to see more offense and more uh, strategy uh, to, to try to end the extra innings a little quicker. Interesting stuff. Let's get into the uh, into the storylines for the franchises because a lot has been said over the last few days here. Let's start on the Saskatchewan side first off with Yorkton and Melville. How long have those situations been on your radar? They've been part of the. They've been on the the focus of the expansion and stability committee for a number of years now. Um, I believe Yorkton's troubles really started a few years ago when they held a lottery. And they ended up not selling enough tickets and had to refund all the money for the tickets that were sold. Uh, that left them in a precarious situation in that all their expenses that they had put in, i.e. advertising and ticket printing and, and administration costs to, to do the lottery, um, you don't get that money back. So uh, they were, they were um, put back uh, financially due to that, and I don't think they've ever caught up. Uh, Melville's been an ongoing, um, you know, small center. Uh, the people in the, the community really do support the team, um, but again, uh, this year it seemed to it seemed to be the result of a lottery that they held, where they amazingly sold three hundred and fifty thousand dollars worth of uh, lottery tickets in their lottery, and uh, came away with what we're hearing is about a five thousand uh, dollar return. Uh, which is just unbelievably poor. Um, too much money got spent on expenses and things like that, and and they don't. And when they do those, those teams need that revenue to to um, to operate because they aren't drawing the people to the parks to to um, sustain their operational costs. So they have to do that extra stuff uh, to be that community franchise. And some of them do very very well. I Regina, Moose Jaw, Swift Current, uh, Weyburn. Um, uh, but Yorkton and Melville have just struggled, uh, you know, both on the field with their facilities and with their uh, off-field fundraising for for a number of years. And it was felt uh, uh, both by the teams and by the league that they need to step back and do a couple of things. One is try to clear their past debt if that's possible. And then number two is develop a a key business model and business plan moving forward where they can uh, uh, possibly come back into the league and, um, you know, be a viable uh, participating member of the league without, uh, um, you know, being strained 
every single day of the season to, to keep the operation moving. Is there anything in particular that you would like to see them bring to the table in that year? Well, the uh, stability committee does have some targets on it, obviously uh, getting um, exactly the two things I just spoke of, a a viable business plan, paying off uh, long-term debt, and, uh, you know, a a facility plan. Facility plan has to – has to address the community's needs for drawing baseball fans to the park and and you know Yorkton in particular is is their facility is just um not good at all mm-hmm. uh, leave of absences versus other options that I'm sure were on the table what other options were available to you and why go with the leave versus anything else well it was more a negotiation with the team because i mean they're they they really um there was no real other option available i don't think when you really consider it i mean they wanted the opportunity to try to reset their operations so to the obviously the other thing the the league could have done is just revoke their franchise um and say okay you're no longer part of the league um but our intent wasn't to to do that unless the team was you know, wanting to cease operations. And in both cases, neither franchise um, was ready to state that at this time. So I think to give them the opportunity to reset their operations and to, and to clear some of their past problems is, is uh, you know, the most fair way to go. On the Alberta side of the border, the Brooks Bombers making it official on their social media platforms. They'll be entering a different structure ownership-wise. How optimistic are you about that change to a community-owned model? Well, again, it it really comes down to the desire within the community. And uh, that's been on the table for for a while. Um, The ownership situation of the Brooks team... um, changed um throughout the last year with uh with uh, the previous ownership group bringing um a new group to the table that was uh um operating uh, or owning the the Brooks franchise and they uh they had made a decision in the summer that that they were uh, much more interested in a different market than than the Brooks market and they were going to invest their energies and, and attention to that market. Nothing, you know, against the Brooks market, but just more familiarity and, and more connections to the other market. So they, uh, they had made the decision possibly to consider moving the franchise or um, selling the franchise uh, to different ownership completely in Brooks. And that's when some of the local people in, that were operating the franchise in Brooks came forward and says, you know, we think that the model that the Brooks Bandits have, being a community-owned, uh, not-for-profit organization uh, run by run by uh, you know mainly volunteers and uh, maybe a staff member or two, is the ideal model for us. Uh, we would be excited about doing that. We think the city would be on board, and and so on. So we met with them in early September, and um, met with the city of Brooks at the same time. And they outlined their plans for it, and pretty much everything started to fall into place after that with an agreement in principle to to sell the team from the existing ownership to 
to the uh, Brooks Regional Ballpark Association, who will be the uh, operators of the team from this point forward. And they have a pretty good business plan in place and ideas how to how to make the, the market uh, work for them and to draw community pride, which uh, Brooks is a great uh, community with lots of pride um, that we think uh, will, uh, will work for their franchise. I assume that other market would be the long-rumored Sylvan Lake market. And I'm curious, where are we at with that? Because they're, they've made their desires fairly well known to this point. Well, um, Probably if you're checking your email box in the next few minutes, you'll have a press release from the WCBL that has announced that Sylvan Lake has been granted an expansion franchise for the 2021 season. Um, so we're really, really excited about that. And you are correct. That is the, the, where the, um, the ownership group that was with Brooks is. is uh, they have purchased the expansion franchise in Sylvan Lake. The league approved it. Um, at the annual meeting, and just uh, in the last day, we've uh, we've signed the documents confirming everything, and we're able to public make that public for the first time today. That's some fantastic news. What excites you about the opportunity to move into Central Alberta? Well, obviously, uh, your keywords there are Central Alberta. It is a Central Alberta team. They have a great population base, lots of uh, history in in uh, baseball over the years. Um, but uh, uh, Sylvan Lake, uh, the location of the ballpark and the type of park that they're developing is is going to be awesome for the for the area and for the league. And we just think that it's going to be a venue that baseball fans are going to want to go to and enjoy another WCBL team in that market. Uh, you know, whether they're coming from you know Sylvan or or um, Red Deer or Statler or Innisfail or uh, Rocky Mountain House or wherever. It's a, it's a great area that has lots of history in baseball, like I said. And uh, we think it's going to be awesome. And the ownership group is committed and dedicated and, and invested in, in the area and uh, making this team a, a, a huge success in the coming years. Are there other expansion plans on the table as we speak? There's always... Um, you know, the individuals kicking tires out there. I wouldn't say anything right now is imminent um, because the, the the biggest thing that has to happen, and this showed with the Sylvan Lake expansion, is that you don't just put a WCBL team in Sylvan Lake unless you have a park. And there's not a lot of venues around Alberta that are ready, or Saskatchewan for that matter, that are ready for a WCBL team that, that are going to be able to put, you know, 500, 1,000 or 1,500 fans in the park. Any issues on the scheduling front with moving Medicine Hat to the east and having two less teams? Not really. Um, you know, the, the, the Medicine Hat move uh, really is, is not that impactful for, for too much. Um, their distance that they'll be traveling in 2020 is is very, very similar. In fact, within a couple of hundred kilometers, actually less than what they did in 2019. So for them, it's a, uh, a modest uh, change. Um, they'll get to play Swift Current more. Um, we also did some regional games where they'll, they'll see Lethbridge and Brooks uh, a little bit more than they do the other Alberta teams. But they, the other move we made is that uh, every East team will travel to every West team and every West team will travel to every East team. 
So all of the uh, rivals that uh, Madison Matt used to see, they'll still see in their community. Um, and then, you know, like I said, they'll see Swift Current and Moose Jaw just a bit more. There's been a situation that's been percolating a little bit in Edmonton as well with whoever is going to get the lease for Remax there. Where are we at there? What's the latest on the prospects front? That is a, that is a, a great question um, that I wish I had a more definitive answer for at this time. In fact, we're, we've um, reached out to the city of Edmonton for a comment Um we were led to believe in September that there was an agreement in principle in place. And we now understand that they want to rethink that they do. They have made uh, um, overtures that they definitely want the prospects playing there. Um, But until there's a actual agreement and what the terms of that agreement are, it it really puts things in a, in a um, holding pattern uh, both for, the league schedule and the all-star game. So we're trying to deal with that as quickly as possible and, and uh, get that resolved. Hopefully the city of Edmonton will realize that uh, there's a number of other franchises in the league that they're, that they're affecting by their, uh, by their actions and delays. How happy are you with the situation in the other Alberta markets, Okotoks, Lethbridge, Fort Mac and Medicine Hat? Yeah, I think that, uh, that, uh, you know, obviously Okotoks is, is um, been drawing extremely well for a long time now, and they continue to do so. The the fans in that community have embraced it. You know, uh, Edmonton uh, was drawing very, very well last year, and we hope that uh, the, the city of Edmonton and the prospects can can come together and and uh, keep baseball moving in the right direction in the in the Alberta capital. Um, Fort McMurray and Lethbridge have great facilities, you know, with the renovations at Spit Stadium and the brand new facility at in uh, Fort McMurray. Um, those teams will, you know, Fort McMurray was was right there in the mix for a playoff. That was a great playoff race last year. It came down to the last weekend of the season, and and Edmonton just uh, went on a roll at the right time and and snuck past Fort McMurray for that final playoff spot, which you know was very disappointing for the Giants, but. Uh, in the end, it was a great playoff race um, coming down to the wire. And, you know, I mean, Brooks, uh, you know, I think they have a new enthusiasm, uh, new leadership, uh, uh, new ideas in that. I think they'll uh, they'll be working hard to to put a competitive product on the field. And, and we still have Medicine Hat in Alberta, even though they may not be in the West Division, but uh, they always put a good product on the field. And uh, we're excited to... To, to see what they'll put on the field for 2020. If you and I were to sit down again in a year's time and have kind of the same sort of discussion, where would you like to see the league headed? Well, I just, you know, I, I think we want to continue to move forward. I want to continue to see more and more uh, fans embrace the level of baseball that's available. I want to see that 300,000 number continue to tick up. You know, I want to see the All-Star Game become a, um, a prominent uh, Canadian uh, event in the league. And, you know, ideally, I'd love to see 12 franchises back competing in 2021 um, because 12 is a nice number to work with. Kevin, I appreciate your time. Thanks so much for joining us on the podcast. No problem. Thanks for having me again.
Again, thanks to everyone for downloading and listening to the podcast. And don't forget to tag us in a social media post about your favorite guest or episode for your chance to win an ADS t-shirt. Until next week, thank you again for all of your support, no matter the platform of Alberta Dugout Stories.